All right, if you take your uh, notes and uh, take your Bibles, I need someone to look up uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and I need someone else to just read from the very beginning of our sheet there at the very top. I listed out Colossians 3.13, and this, of course, is from chapter 10. We're beginning chapter 10, which um, Ken Sandy talks about in his book, The Peacemaker, about forgiveness, and this is part of the process of restoration and forgiving. This is super important and very vital. And so, if there's anything about this that you'd like to stop and talk about, we can definitely do that while we look at this passage. Who wants to read Colossians chapter 3? Who wants to read that? Okay, Casey, can you read that for us nice and loud, please? Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Okay, notice how we how he says that there, notice he says, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. We ought to forgive as Christ forgave. And so that's why he says, I love this quote, Christians are the most forgiven people in the world. Therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. So we have been forgiven, therefore we should be forgiving. If we have experienced the forgiveness of Christ, we should be forgiving. There's a great book called From Forgiven to Forgiving. There is also a book called Unpacking Forgiveness. Those are two resources I would encourage you to look into and read on if you'd like to look into this more. So what is this high standard of forgiveness? Ephesians 4.32. Who had that for us? Okay, Dan. And be kind to one another, okay, even as God in Christ forgave you, you're to be forgiving one another. The forgiveness standard here that we are to have is God's forgiveness. As God forgives us, we are to forgive others. And that's basically what we start off by saying that's how we have to consider it. Now, there sometimes are some barriers to forgiveness, and he says in this book here that in order to overcome our barriers to forgiveness, you because let's face it, sometimes people hurt you, and it doesn't feel like you can forgive them, he makes the point that you, you must admit two things. One, <clears throat> admit you cannot forgive in your own strength. You say, well, I can't forgive them. Okay, you can't. In your strength, that's true. But if you rely on Christ and you rely on God and act in faith, you can. And secondly, you desperately need God to come and change your heart. Our natural heart will not want to forgive, and so we need God to change us. So your blanks are strength and change. A lot of the problems with forgiveness come when people have misunderstanding what forgiveness is. So let's begin by talking about what forgiveness is not. By the way, you like our new whiteboard? Isn't it beautiful? No smears on it or anything yet. So, um, so what forgiveness is not? Um, this is really important. We have to talk about what it's not because there's a lot of misunderstanding, right? A lot of people have been taught a lot of bad things about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. So let's talk about this first. First, forgiveness is not a feeling, okay? It's not a feeling. You don't feel forgiving. You don't feel like forgiving uh, or forgive like because you feel like it. It's, it's not a warm feeling in your heart. I don't feel very forgiving towards someone. Forgiving is not a feeling. Forgiving is an act of the will, Okay, it's an act of the will. It's a decision that you make. In fact, I think that's what, yeah, it involves a series of decisions regardless of your feelings. 
So it's about a series of decisions. You decide to forgive. You don't feel forgiving. Okay? You make decisions to forgive. So that's the first thing. Forgiveness is not a feeling. I think most people will get that. The second one might be a little bit harder because some of you have been taught this. right? Forgiveness, secondly, is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not the same thing as forget. How many of you have heard forgive and forget? I mean, everybody's heard that, right? Maybe you weren't taught that or maybe you don't believe that, but you've heard it, forgive and forget. And I've heard people say, well, I, I, I can't forgive because I can't forget. Okay, so I need somebody to look up this verse, Isaiah uh, 43, 25. We're going to see the difference here between what God promises in, because some people say, well, God forgets your sins. No, God doesn't forget your sins. God can't forget anything. He's God. Okay, but there's, there's, a, there's a, a way he talks about our forgiveness here. I'm going to have Cassie read this verse nice and loud, please. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Okay. It, it might sound like a small thing, but it's, it is huge. Forgetting is not the same as not remembering. And you say, well, I don't understand. I'm going to try to use that with my my spouse, you know. Uh, it's not that I forgot the keys, I just did not remember them. <laughs> okay, but this is important to think about, okay. What, what we're saying, you're forgetting, and this is your blank spot. Forgetting is passive. Forgetting is a passive thing. I forgot the keys means I walked out and did not realize my keys were not in my pocket, Right? Or let me give you an example. Oh, my goodness. The other day, I got in my car. I was, I was so busy. I had a bunch of things in my hands. I loaded up my truck. And don't ever do this. I put my iPad on the hood of my truck. You all know what's going to happen, right? I said, I won't forget that. I loaded everything in my truck, went around the front, closed the door, and started driving down Miller Pond Road and looked, and I saw my iPad going, <laughs> like wavering. I was like, oh, no. And I pulled over, and it fell off. And it got all scraped up on the back of the case. I can't believe this case survived. I mean, I can't believe the iPad. iPad doesn't have a scratch on it. The case got dinged up. And um, I was thanking the Lord. I got home and I told my wife, I said, I feel like such an idiot for doing that. It's horrible. I forgot. I just, it was absent-mindedness. That's forgetting. It's absent-mindedness. It's this idea of, I just kind of passively, it just kind of leaves my mind. Those, I mean, just, you know, you walk into a room and you're like, why am I here? It just left my mind. I don't know why I'm standing here. What am I supposed to be doing right now? I'm in this terrible place where I'm starting to hit those, those moments where I have to start writing everything down. Like, what am I going to do? Write it down right now so I don't forget, right? Okay, forget is passive. Not remembering is active, right? It's intentional. It's active. To, In fact, I like to point this out because to remember something is... Uh, I like to use the idea, the picture of building a monument. Okay? And when we talk about um, uh, the word for monument and remember, these all come from the same roots in Greek. This is idea of making a, like when you have a memorial, right, for someone, have a, a memorial, a monument to them. It is, it is 
causing you to think about them. And so to not remember is to not build monuments to this, okay? Not build monuments. You are choosing to not remember. It's not that you're forgetting, because you may never forget. Someone might sin against you, and you may never forget how they sinned against you. That's just the reality. It may be something you never can forget, but you can choose not to remember, not to build a monument to that in your mind. And we'll talk about how that works uh, as we go on tonight. But you must consciously draw on God's grace to not dwell on uh, these things. Uh, the third thing, forgetting, or uh, not forgetting, forgiveness is not. So it's, it's not a feeling, I should say. It's not a forgetting, and it's not excusing. So here's how, here's how this works, is somebody says, hey, would you forgive me for being angry with you? And how, what, what, somebody might respond with what? How, how do people respond to that? It's okay. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. In fact, that's my blank. The blank there is excusing is saying that's okay. Okay? What's the problem with excusing? It's not okay, right? It's sin. It's not okay. So don't say it's okay. It's something sometimes we feel awkward. We don't know how to have these exchanges. We don't know how to have these conversations. And so we say things and we promote these kinds of things without really realizing what we're doing. And it doesn't actually solve the problem. What you're saying is what you did wasn't really that bad. So don't feel bad about it. So excusing is saying that's okay. And you're excusing sin. You're saying it's not really sin. But to deal with sin, you must deal with it honestly. That's the other blank here. You must deal with it honestly. You say, well, no, what you, what you did offended God. I can, I can forgive you not because what you did wasn't bad. I can forgive you because what you did was bad, but God has forgiven me, and I can forgive you for what you did. Okay? You can't pretend like what you did wasn't bad or what they did wasn't bad. So um, deals honestly with a sin. Basically what you're saying is because God has forgiven me, I forgive you. Any questions so far on what uh, forgiveness is not? Yeah, Tony. I just have a question, something that I kind of struggle with. Um, I'm trying to be more intentional in how I respond when people ask for forgiveness. But I don't know how sometimes to respond when they're asking for forgiveness for something that I, I see as a non-issue. Okay. Um, for instance, I'm sorry I said such and such if you took it this way, but I didn't take it that way. If it, if it wasn't an offense to me, if I took it the way that they meant it and not the way that it sounded, how do you handle those situations? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. So if, if the person who you're talking to is convicted that they believe they've sinned against you in some way, like do they believe they've sinned against you in that way? Okay. And you didn't think they sinned against you, but they're asking to forgive them. I would, I would forgive them. Because we'll talk about, in fact, I think if we get into this next section on what forgiveness is, I think it will help you understand that exact dilemma. Because it doesn't matter whether you took offense or not. In their mind, they sinned against you. And so they owe you a debt. They are bound up. Their sin against you has created an obstacle. Because what's, what sin does, if I sin against you, if I sin against Andy, if I go and I, and I, I lie about him, he may never know about it, but I've sinned against him. Right? And it's created a problem. Maybe that's a bad example. But if I, if, I, if I yell at him or if I say something bad to him, I have now sinned against him. If I get angry with him, sinned against him. 
and it creates an obstacle in our relationship. It creates a problem between us, and we need to have that resolved. And um, sometimes in relationships with men, it can get kind of awkward because guys tend to can you know be kind of locker room, if for lack of a better term, with each other. They can they can be sarcastic with each other. They can say things that cross the line sometimes. And and for one person, it may they may be like, ah, I crossed the line. I'm so sorry. And the other person, like, what are you talking about? We're all friends here. So, but in that, in, that, in that case, in fact, let's talk about what forgiveness is, because I think as you see this, I think you'll be able to, to actually grant that person forgiveness, even if you don't feel personally offended. Uh, there's two Greek words, aphemi and charizomai. Uh, that's the English words, kind of the English letters written out there. They, they basically, the first one has the idea of being released. Aphemi has the idea of releasing. And so here it's related to debts being paid or canceled. This idea of debt is very important. And, and forgiveness. So you owe a debt to someone, and you need that debt to be handled. And charizomai has the idea of being gracious with someone, okay, bestowing favor upon someone. So, quote from page 207 in the book, he says, to forgive someone means to release him or her from liability, to release. So in your case here, Tony, um, you're saying, I release you from your guilt, or from your, from our, from what's, what sin has has stepped in our way, even if you don't feel any sin against you, I don't think you're obligated to have felt sinned against. If they feel like they sinned against you, and you feel like, well, this is really kind of a non-issue to me, um, you can forgive them, and you're releasing them. It's for their benefit, not necessarily for yours always. Okay, um, so look at the next line. Sin creates a debt. Sin creates a debt to God and to the one you sinned against. So the point he makes in the book is that when someone, pay, someone sins against you, you can either take payments by dwelling on it and by withholding forgiveness or make payments by releasing them. Um, and, and, and he makes the point that sometimes it's very difficult to... Um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how biblical this is, but I thought it was interesting. He said... Um, Practically speaking, sometimes people have a hard time forgiving everything all at once. So if you think of it like a big payment, if you're buying a house or something, uh, buying a car, you may make smaller payments toward that big payment. So you may, it may take you time to totally forgive someone for a great sin that they've done against you, but you're moving towards that process of, 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 of um, forgiving them. And so he, he arranges it like a debt. He talks about it like debt, that we owe it to them, and they owe it against us. And so we can extract it, we can be vengeful and demand they pay, or we can forgive that debt. And it will cost us. To forgive is, is costly on our end, to give up the right to, to hold that against them. So um, this is all made possible when we understand how God has forgiven us, but I don't want to move on too quickly. Am I making sense so far? Or is there anything that you want to clear? Yeah, Jenna? identify with what he's saying because I think sometimes in Christian circles you can overcorrect, especially women, and you can have a tendency to ask forgiveness for things that aren't sin and have okay. overly sensitive consciences. And I, I don't know, again, I don't think there's necessarily a, a chapter and verse on that, but rather the argument of omission and that I think if you stick with biblical terms, like right. if someone approaches me and asks forgiveness for something that's not sin, I think I would be like, I forgive you, but I don't, like, I think you can have a conversation. That's not, but that's not a sin. Yeah. Me, 
And if they're like, well, I just thought maybe I made you feel bad, no, well, that's, that's what it's in, we're good, you know. So I, I'm wondering if you have any comments on that, because yeah. I do think that can create, if, if we're not careful, we can almost become, um, create like a, an overreaction where we're asking forgiveness for looking at somebody funny. Yeah, let me, let me say a couple words about that, and I know we got a couple more hands up. Um, the uh, we are very big on using biblical terms. So if someone if someone is sin, what what sin? So there are mistakes, right? We all make mistakes. You don't ask forgiveness for mistakes. Okay, I misspell a word. That's a mistake. I leave. I lock. You lock your keys in the car. Do you ask forgiveness? No, it's a mistake, right? It's no, you might feel sorry. You might be like, I am so sorry I locked my keys in the car. Yeah, you feel bad you locked your keys in the car. You might tell your husband or your wife, I am so sorry I made us late by locking my keys in the car. But that is not something you repent of. Like, how can you repent of locking your keys in the car? It's not something, we're talking about sinful things like lying and stealing and cheating and, and anger and, and, and sinful anger and these things like, like that, or, or, or deception. These are, these are sins that you can ask forgiveness from, but but it, and the other thing is that sometimes people are very harsh about mistakes and they treat them like sins, right? They say, I can't believe you locked your keys in the car again. Who do you, blah, 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 blah. And they go on and on and they just berate someone for an honest, like it's a mistake. It's a, anyone can make that mistake. And you watch, you, you berate somebody like that. What are you going to do within a week? You're going you're to probably do the exact same thing. God's going to humble you. So, so we want to be biblical. We talk about forgiveness. We're not talking about um, mistakes. We're talking about sins, biblical sins. Thank you for that clarity. And we're talking about forgiveness, not just saying you're sorry or, or saying, uh, yeah. So, Helen, yes, ma'am. Yeah, a sin is really you actively do it to, to hurt someone, to lie, to commit, whatever. It's, it's a wrong working, and you really are aware of it. It's sometimes. Now, I think most of the time you're right. I think sometimes sin can be um, something you're unaware of. Yeah. You, you. So, I, so let me say that like one of the things that uh, sometimes I have to talk to husbands about is not actively loving their wives. And they think they're fine. They're like, well, I don't, I don't have a problem. And I'm like, uh, I'm listening to you this conversation. I'm listening to the discussion about what's going on in your home. And you're not loving your wife. What are you talking about? You know, they get defensive. They don't think that they're sinning. It's 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 not an active thing. They're they're not actively. So I agree with you that it, that. It, but in some ways, they, people can sin without without even with, with doing something passively. Yeah, or not having to be told. No, what you're doing is sinful. You need to actively love your wife. What you're doing is unloving. Uh, Donna. Yeah. Back to the. You only forgive a little bit at a time. You're right. As a Christian, would that not be prideful or self-righteous? Because yes. you, Jesus, forgave you all at one time. Yeah, let me let me read. In fact, as I, let me read what he said. I I I, I agree. I think that it's. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, he he uh, he makes a point of this, and I thought it was interesting because I think he was saying uh, here here it is. Um, you decide to forgive, this is on page 208, you decide to forgive and by God's grace, the debt is quickly and fully canceled in your heart and mind. But when there has been a deep wrong, the debt is, it creates is not always paid at once. You may need to bear certain effects of a person's sin over a long period of time. This may involve fighting against painful memories, speaking gracious words when you really want to say something hurtful, working to tear down walls to be vulnerable when you still feel little trust, 
or even enduring the consequences of a material or physical injury that the other person is unable or unwilling to repair. Forgiveness can be extremely costly, but if you believe in Jesus, you have more than enough to make these payments. So he talks about that, and I, I think he's speaking from experience here. I don't think this, this isn't, there's no chapter and verse. I'm thinking that he's, he's saying that sometimes, I guess I'll put it this way. I agree with you that I always encourage people to forgive fully. I think in, in, when working with someone, if someone is struggling to forgive someone who has hurt them deeply, you help them make steps towards forgiveness as they can. That makes sense. Trust. Yeah, okay, and we're going to even talk about that more in, the, in, in a little bit about restoration. So, so here's the thing. If I can have you think about this. We have, forgiveness is a multifaceted thing, and we're just getting kind of started here. So hang with me because there's a lot of dimensions to this, and I don't want you to, to think, no, wait a second, what about this part? Or wait a second, what about this? Too much because we'll get there um, because this is a, this is a, a and there are whole books, and you could probably spend weeks and weeks talking about just forgiveness. But I just thought that was interesting. I'm not entirely sure the point other than I think sometimes he's asking people to be merciful or kind and not be overbearing if someone's really struggling, forgiving someone for a massive failure, to give them time to, as, as, they, as they forgive. Can we look at, yes, Skip. Uh, two things uh, to the point you're just talking about. This is all about relationships. Right. And so when we're harmed in a relationship, that healing process may take a while, but the moment that I'm going to tell somebody I forgive them, that's a choice, regardless of how I feel, as you said. Secondly, we live in a non-Christian world. We have to be careful about those who we um, have relationships with who don't know the Lord, because this is not the world's idea of what forgiveness is. And the world likes to promote such a bad, false way of handling conflict that this is a great opportunity when it happens to share with them truth and love. And I remember learning that when I first got saved riding on the suffering. I was the only Christian out there. And so many things happened. But the Lord changed my life, and they saw it. And they see our lives as believers, and they will see we handle these things much differently than the way the world handles That's so true. Why don't we look at this? Thank you, Skip. I really appreciate what you're saying. It is a huge testimony opportunity every time you forgive. How has God forgiven us? I'm going to go through these quickly because we've already touched on this briefly. God says, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Remember, he remembers their sins no more forgiving, and this is how God chooses to forgive us. Secondly, he chooses to remove sin from us as far as the east is from the west. The next two kind of go together. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4 says, God does not keep a record of sins because there is forgiveness with him. The idea that God does not hold this against us and does not keep a record of it. Of course, it does not mean that God is passively forgetting. It's that he chooses not to, not to bring this up. So let's flip the page over, and I want you to notice, really, we're getting to what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, as we said, is a decision, right? It is a decision. Further, it is a promise. That's your second blank. So it's a decision. It's a decision and a promise. 
This is really what it comes down to. It's a promise. And what are you promising? There's four different quotes there, and this is something that would be good to have in your mind. Number one, it's a promise. I will not dwell on this incident. That's hard. But you're making a commitment to that person that I will not sit there and think about this. When I'm brushing my teeth in the morning or when I'm getting ready, I'm not going to think, oh, I can't believe that rascal. Wow, I ruined my life. Number two, I will not bring up this incident again to use it against you or and use it against you. Um, (coughs) This was something drilled into us as kids. My parents drilled this into us that when you forgive somebody, it's over. You don't get to bring it up next week. Um, I do not get to bring up the incident and use it against you. There's like one slight exception to that which we'll talk about later. But you do not get to do that. That means that you don't get to, when someone asks you to forgive them, you are choosing to put it away from them. Thirdly, I will not talk to others about this incident. Again, this is not talking about legal stuff. If someone has committed a sin against you, a crime against you, we're not saying that by, by you um, uh, making this forgiveness, you can forgive somebody and then, oh, I can't go to the police now because I said I'm not going to talk to anybody about it. That's not what this is saying. This is, this is talking about you going around and saying, yeah, you won't believe what my wife did. Oh, my goodness, she's terrible, terrible, terrible. You just tell them. Would you believe what she did? And then, oh, you know, wait, I thought you, she asked you, if, well, you know, yeah, but... Still terrible. And fourthly, I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder this personal relationship. In the book, they um, talked about a little poem that his wife, um, Corlette, wrote, and she says to her kids. And she said when they were disciplining their kids and doing this, um, she would say, good thought, Hurt you not, gossip never, friends forever. So it's good thought, hurt you not, gossip never, friends forever. It's the four promises there. Good thought means I will not dwell on this incident. Hurt you not means I will not bring this up again. Gossip never means I'm not going to talk about this with anybody. Friends forever means that we are not going to let this stand between us. So forgiveness is a decision. It's a promise that you make, and it is a two-stage process as well. Okay. So except in the case of overlooking a sin, so we talked about that earlier, what, how, when we overlook a sin, it means that you don't ever get to the point of asking forgiveness. It's that, you know, I, I did something to Andy. I said something mean to Andy, and Andy says, you know what, Marshall's had a rough day. He probably didn't mean it. I'm just going to let it go. And he chooses to forgive me without ever approaching me and asking me to confess anything. And we never have an exchange. He just forgives it. He overlooks it. And we move on. And it's not like three weeks later he says, remember that time when you said that thing? No, no, no. It is forgiven. Okay. Except in that case, there are these two stages. Stage number one is having an attitude of forgiveness. Can I have some people look up some verses here? Mark 11:25. Luke 6, 28, and Acts 7, 60. So who can do the first one? Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Who's got it? We don't have to have it yet, but who will have it? Okay, Wendy. And then uh, Luke 6, 28. Jenna, we'll get that one. And then Acts 7, 60. Okay, Sebastian. Let's see this about having an 
an attitude of forgiveness. Mark 11, 25. Okay, when you stand and pray, forgive as your... Read the rest of it again. As, yeah, that's your Father which is also... So the picture is there is that when you're standing and praying, you should forgive. Now, he's not saying go and get right with somebody. It's, it's that you, you, you remember someone has ought against you, you forgive them right there. You have this attitude of forgiveness. You actually haven't gone through the process of, of having this uh, exchange of forgiveness with someone, of, of them confessing sin and you forgiving. You need to have this attitude uh, forgiveness always. How about this next verse? Um, what did I say? Uh, let's see here. Luke 6, 28. Okay, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Have the right attitude. How about Acts 7, 60? Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against me. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Okay, so in Acts 7, do you remember who that is? All right, Stephen, he's getting stoned, right? And he says, Lord, do not hold this against them. He has an attitude of forgiveness. So there's that aspect. We need to have stage one, have the attitude of forgiveness. But the second stage, let's turn to Luke 17. Luke 17, 3 and 4. Anybody got it? Want to read it? Okay, Tony. Be on your guard if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, he comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Okay, so the first stage is having the attitude of forgiveness. The second stage is granting forgiveness. He says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he confesses or if he repents, forgive him. How do you know he's repented? Okay. Take his word for it. How do you know that's the case? How do you know you're not supposed to make sure, watch him for a minute, hold out forgiveness until he proves his repentance? Okay, it doesn't say that, but you could infer that. Prove it wrong. Prove me. Prove me wrong. Okay, right? He says if he, how, how does that verse say in that? Uh, how does it say? Wait, who was, you were reading. If he comes to you seven times in a day. Okay. If someone sins against you seven times in one day, have you had enough time to watch and see if they've repented? No. In fact, everything would indicate that they haven't changed. But Jesus says, if he comes to you seven times in a day and says, I repent, you are to do what? Forgive him. So it's not your job. It's not your job to make sure that he repents before you forgive him. He says you must forgive him. You must. You are required to forgive. So, um, so that, is, that is very, very, very important. And uh, uh, let me see here. I think the... Um, oh, another question. Does, does forgiveness remove consequences? Okay. I think sometimes it can, but most of the time, no. Um, God forgave, but still uh, gave consequences to the children of Israel, still gave consequences to David, still had consequences for Moses. Um, what forgiveness does is it removes the relational walls that separate you. It does not mean that there's no consequences. Like, I'll forget, you know, we'll forgive you. Your child says, will you forgive me? Yes. 
still get time out, right? <laughs> you, still, you still have the, pro the consequences of your behavior. Just because you've got forgiven doesn't mean that you don't get consequences for your behavior. So forgiveness does not remove consequences. That's another misnomer. Some people think, well, if I forgive them, they won't get, they won't get the consequences they, they deserve. Um, the other thing he makes here, he says, steps to overcoming unforgiveness. It's interesting. We just talked about how you should never confirm repentance. I thought that was kind of funny. But he makes the point here that, um, that sometimes, uh, in fact, let me just read straight from his, his thing here. What you can do, he says, it can be difficult to forgive a person who has failed to repent and confess clearly and specifically. When you find yourself in this situation, it may be wise to explain to the person who wronged you why you are having a difficult time forgiving. Let me explain where this really comes into play. This is not talking, this is not in contradiction to what Tony was just saying about someone says they for, repent and you forgive them. This is talking about someone who is overly broad in their confession and is not being repentant. So someone says, I've used this example before, and oh man, I'm already going over time, sorry. So, uh, someone says, forgive me for everything. Now wait a second. What do you mean? What are we talking about here? What are we repenting of? We're not going to do this. We're not going to do the forgive me for everything because what you mean by forgive me for everything and what I mean by forgive me for everything are two totally different things. Like, I don't know about all this stuff you're talking about, so how can I forgive you for what I don't know about? If you're going to demand this reconciliation thing next. So confirm repentance does not mean that you, you watch and wait and see if they're good. It means that you make sure they're not just being overly broad or they're not actually repenting. Uh, they're not actually being specific enough with their sin. Okay, uh, if you have any questions or something, I'll be happy to handle them uh, next time. But I'm sorry, I went a little over. I apologize. We'll, we'll, fix, uh, we'll finish the rest of this next time. This is a good discussion. We'll keep this going and look forward to handling the rest of it next time. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the uh, forgiveness we have through Jesus Christ. It gives us the strength and power to forgive others. May we be a forgiving people because we have been so forgiven. I pray you would bless our evening. Be with our friends who are struggling with their health right now. Lord, we uh, ask your grace upon their lives, and we pray that you would help us to be uh, encouraging to them this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.